I mean, I'll be honest. I've had better birthdays. <laughs> yeah. Watching around one of my best friend's living rooms for the full-on, well, however long it was, 10, 15 minutes of the entirety of that penalty shootout, I was looking at them dead in the eyes, flipping them off because I knew De Gea was going to miss when it came down to it. I mean, it's so obvious, wasn't it? Oh, God. Written. From the beginning. He looked ill. He looked, like, pale. He was. He, he shrank. It was just like, oh, my God. This, this, there's no way. Oh, I mean... It was so sad. Bless him, though, Paul, right? I, I mean, I having to take the 22nd penalty yeah. of that penalty shootout. Like, n- no one should be in that. No one's, no one's going to be great in that position. No one should be enjoying that position. No one's going to revel in it. I mean, bless him if for that moment alone. Not perhaps maybe the 11 that came before it, but we'll come to that <laughs> in a minute. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's penultimate episode of Red Voices for the 20, 2021 season. You've got me, you and Lennart and him, Paul Gunning, to discuss Manchester United's deeply disappointing uh, and rather down note end to the campaign with a defeat in Gdansk to Villarreal in the Europa League final, which has uh, left a bit of a sour note, unfortunately, on a very draining and very tiring season. But well, let's let's see how we feel coming out of it. Anyway, Paul, how are you going? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm very well. Apart from the um, the result of the night, um, life's pretty good. Yeah, good. Fantastic. What do you think... What sort of headspace were you in at full time then? Because I guess, you know, here we are on a Saturday night. It's three days since the final. I think emotions have calmed down a little bit. Where were you at three days ago and where are you at now? Well, before the match, I was worried. I was ner- really, really nervous. Um, there was not no real excitement. And mainly because of um, you know, Emery, Emery, because of his record, in this competition and um yeah all my my worst fears came to pass really because um by the end of it I was oh I don't know I guess I was I mean I was I was incredibly disappointed but I was really frustrated I think it was I genuinely think it's the most frustrating game I've ever watched <laughs> um a, that, I said that about the PSG game earlier in the season at Old Trafford um but this this surpasses that for all the same reasons it, it was like deja vu it was it only seemed to fr- freeze he just you know, there was just this kind of unbelievable passivity from the bench. Big players didn't perform, and to be fair, I, I felt Villarreal deserved the win in the end, really. And and I knew they would win. I knew I, I could. I knew sort of by pretty much I don't know midway through the second half, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Mm. Um, and when it got to penalties, there was just absolutely no doubt in my mind that we we were going to lose. Disappointed uh, in Ollie and disappointed for him because he really needed it. I really like what he's done so far in his time as manager. Um, he's made some mistakes, don't get me wrong, but he needed it, the players needed it, the fans needed it, and it just felt like a real waste because we should have won that game. Simple mm. as that. It's just it's just such a waste. Yeah, well, if I'm going to go Billy Basic analysis for that game, that was so many parts of our season rolled into one wasn't it you've got the slow but useful start and then the poor goal conceded due to a defensive mix-up thank you for that Victor Lindelof you've got the response after half time and you've got the equaliser but then you've got the inability to break a team down when they sit deep against us and a 
you know, on paper, inferior opponent beat us by being better drilled and having a better game plan, right? And yeah, I think, you know, it, it shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone who's been watching United this season. You know, it's hilarious when commentators talk about this not being in the script. Like, this has been yeah. our lives for the last 12 yeah. months. Good grief. So it, it didn't surprise me at all that Villarreal were so compact and kept their line so tight and made it so difficult for United to move the ball out wide to the flanks and every time either Shaw or Rashford was cutting inside there was no space really for them to you know to find anyone you know and they were constantly put upon by several players at the same time it was incredibly difficult for us to find any sort of avenues or lines in order to get the ball through to someone who could do any danger you know I think perhaps one decent half chance in the first half if I can recall Mm. but nothing that really stood out to me is dominance and I think that is a frustrating element on top of everything is that Villarreal in terms of their attacking play didn't have to do very much to number one take the lead and number two to stay in the game you know the the goal itself for Moreno is just I mean I mean the thing is if you're Emery and you're coming into that game all you need to have done in terms of your homework for United is just watch the games that we played without Harry Maguire or even some of them with him and just say let's play for free kicks and let's play for corners and that's exactly all they had to do. They got that free kick after the foul. I think it was by Cavani. And they floated that ball in. And Lindelof isn't keeping an eye on his man. How many times have we seen that this season? You know, it it's tiring going over and singling out these same players. But until they stop making these errors, we're going to have to keep doing it. And it was a pretty straightforward goal to concede. You know, and tiring in the circumstance. Because I did get a sense from the way United started the game that they were determined to get their way through this by hook or crook and probably try and grind something out in this game and you know the I wasn't necessarily convinced that there was a ton of ideas out there and we can talk as much as we like and we have spoken so much about the tactical rigidity that United have and the inflexibility and the problem that we have when it does come to breaking down a team in this exact setup Mm. but that's one thing the defensive problems that we have are just seemingly stopping a lot of progress that we're making especially when it comes to the big games and it's a real worry going into the next season in particular now and it, it, it's become a position that I would imagine lots of us wouldn't have would have rather saved money elsewhere if you think about it when it came to who we were going to buy during the summer because if we if there was a way that we could have gotten away with Maguire and buy slash Lindelof for the next year or so I would have been happy with it and spent money elsewhere because I think we've got other problems but central defense has just become such a big issue over the last couple of weeks without Maguire isn't it and even before it was obviously a problem yeah. but we we were we were getting by with the combination of Henderson Maguire and Lindelof because they were communicating well enough positionally they were kind of getting along really weren't they yeah well that's another problem though isn't it the, the goalkeeping situation is a mess I mean De Gea looks shot I think he needs a change um of scenery you know he look he reminds me of um Jesse Lingard you know in, in his body language and just everything seems to be going wrong for him he looks mm. kind of sad and I th- you know you saw what happened with Lingard when he when he had got a change of scenery he just suddenly starts playing football again and I think De Gea needs that and you're absolutely right and you know defensively we're just absolutely we're all over the place and set pieces I mean I think, you know do we not work on them in training it's it's insane the number of goals that we and chances we concede from set pieces but you know you mentioned singling players out and actually it would it'd be a hell of a lot quicker to, to single out the players who played well really for me who really gave a good account of themselves the other night rather than you know the, the ones who didn't because I thought there were poor performances all over the pitch really 
And the trouble is, you know, when I saw the team sheet, I thought, okay, well, fine. Ollie's really going for it. He mm. wants to get. He wants to get this this game won early doors, put it to bed. Great if it works, but we need all these players to perform, and if they don't, he's basically got no aces up his sleeve. There's nothing on the bench, you know. And that's how it came to pass. You know, United concede a goal, and and you can always tell with with this United team whether when they concede a goal whether there's going to be a response. And there just wasn't a response. And even when we when we equalised for a few minutes after that, it felt like okay, we we can do this now, and then it just fizzled out. Mm. And I think a lot of that was just because. Emery put on fresh legs and, and Oli didn't. And I don't understand. I mean, he might not trust the players on his bench and I get that. They're not the standard that we that we expect at United. But at least they've got fresh legs. You know? We were just... We were running through treacle. I mean, there were, there were players who... Rashford could barely move by the end. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were some very dodgy decisions, shall we say, made by the manager during the course of that game. Now, the the starting lineup I didn't have a problem with. I thought actually moving Pogba back into the pivot alongside McTominay, who would have been the preference regardless over Fred, was the right call. Putting Rashford on the left and then Cavani through the middle, Bruno and Greenwood behind them. Yeah, all fine with that. And the back four was as good as it could be. You know, three out of those four players... Well, <laughs> if we're going to say ideally, the, at least the two wing-backs, I'm fine with that. Centre-backs yeah. is a different story. I understood why De Gea was starting. But I, I wonder if going behind to that Marino goal, you know, we have spoken so much about how we are leading a charmed life in terms of our results because we spent, we spent so much of this season coming from behind and so much of this season in terms of the minutes losing you know and mm. when you get to the real business end of the season especially in games like this it, it can't help but have an effect you know we, we spent so much energy trying to drag ourselves back into games and as fantastic as it's been to watch you know we've had some fantastic moments this year yeah you know you think back to the 3-2 against Southampton it's, there's been goons all over the shop there's been some great comebacks and it's been incredibly entertaining and enjoyable to watch but that can't last forever you know you can't keep doing that on bigger stages like this because some teams are just not going to let you do it and we've spoken about it in the sense that United are playing with so much fire by starting games slowly and making poor mistakes you know I don't necessarily think we started that slowly but when your defense is as error prone as ours is especially when it comes to the center backs it can be so difficult to continually try and you know claw your way back into a game and I think ultimately with the length of the season the fact that we obviously were playing in the Europa League pretty much what was it two or three weeks to a month before the season started so we had no pre-season or no games really to prepare you know we came in so horribly undercooked and I feel like we had a couple of you know apexes where we were actually playing really good football and one thing or other got in the way I feel like we just ran out of steam you know and mentally and physically that team just felt shot and they didn't quite have enough to get over the line and I think when you're trying to play for certain scenarios like Villarreal were I mean I'm not saying it's easy to shut a team out like they did for the best part of two hours you know barring one and a half moments they did a pretty good job of it but Mm. in this instance for Villarreal it was a defensive assignment that's a lot easier to do than trying to spend all that time on the ball trying to pick your way through because eventually you just run out of ideas and that's exactly what happened and especially in extra time we just had nothing to offer you know we barely had any opportunities to speak of we couldn't keep hold of the ball particularly well and we just looked so shot and so lifeless i guess that it didn't it was no surprise when it eventually went to penalties because it didn't look like anyone was capable of making decisions and you mentioned the substitutions there as well you know i think 
when it comes to analysing United's squad going forward, you do start to wonder and worry about how much Solskjaer really trusts this core group of players. Now, obviously, as mitigation to an extent, we didn't see any Anthony Martial, and you would have assumed at some stage, even though he's not had, he's, he's had arguably his worst season in the United shirt, he would have yeah. come on at some point on Wednesday night and potentially could have changed the game because we know he's got those capabilities in his locker. But almost all the substitutions felt like penalty subs in the end didn't they well, you they know, were. Tellers and Matter coming on at the end you know and Greenwood coming off ahead of Rashford I mean I know Solskjaer's got so much trust in Rashford as we all do in terms of his capabilities but the guy had an absolute stinker on Wednesday and he knows that he's admitted to that he did but he's not been fit all season in my opinion I don't think he's been the same since that back injury last season I really genuinely don't because prior to the back injury last season he, he was unplayable he was our talisman. He was our main man. I remember when he when he got injured, thinking, "Well, that's it. The season's over." And, and that's pretty much why we went out and bought Bruno Fernandez ahead of schedule. You're absolutely right. Everything you said is right. I, I do, I do oh, wonder. Say that I, again for me. <laughs> I do wonder though whether whether there was a little bit of complacency in some of the players. And look, Villarreal, they were fantastic. In ter- you know, they, we've United clearly got a far superior collection of players, but what they had. Was a plan, you know. They were a better team on the night. They were a, a better collective, you know. Um, mm. United were kind of, I guess, relying on or three or four players having, you know, playing at their best or something near to their best, and that didn't happen. But also, Villarreal just completely cut Fernandez out, for example. And like you said before, you know, they wouldn't let us play. They were so compact. It was, and it was impressive. Because they they are not as good a team as us. Simple as that. Mm. On our I think day, it's Kukwelan we, we was saying them. in the aftermath of the game. I think he's speaking to Andy Mitten on the pitch after the match. My job was to mark Bruno out of the game. I mean, yeah. how much time was he having to spend coming deep to get the ball? You know, there was no fluidity to it because the, the space just wasn't there. They did such a good job at marking our main players out of the match that they just had no effectiveness at all. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and that's the thing about about Solskjaer that you have to come back to and even if he doesn't trust his, his subs you know he could have I mean I, I was saying to my dad I was watching it with and my son you know probably quite early in the second half why doesn't he put Matic on in, in, in central midfield and move Pogba out to the left and you know that, do something just do something and it was the fact that he did absolutely nothing Mm. Until he brought finally brought Greenwood off for Fred, which even then, that, you know, at that stage of the match, seemed just bizarre to me. Just the whole thing, he, he was so passive; it was almost inert, you know. And it and it felt like he froze again. And you know, you want him to learn from these experiences. And I I remember saying on the pod earlier in the season, hopefully, you know, he'll he'll learn from the PSG experience. And that just felt like he hadn't learned anything. And, you know, if he doesn't trust his subs, fine. But, like I said before, just put in some fresh... I mean, Dan James with fresh legs. They had six players out, or five players out there with fresh legs. And we mm. were running through treacle. It just didn't make yeah. any sense. I mean, James would have been good to at least ch- just chuck him down the left-hand side and let him Give bomb down that wing. He exactly. could do something in those instances. You know, he's... Everyone... <laughs> there's been so much talk about Dan James in terms of his limits and his... The man's got at least legs and he's fast and he can create stuff by pure force of will and his pace. And we saw it at the weekend with that amazing cross yeah. for Anthony Alanga. He's got a delivery on him when he wants Absolutely. to. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess second-guessing Solskjaer in terms of the substitutions and everything. Uh, I guess, you know, and in, in, in we're talking about his 
tactical flexibility or the depth of his knowledge you know it it's difficult to know as a result of that and obviously how that feeds into the whole season to know really where to place this last 12 months because if you look at United from front to back this season you can say that our play is evolving we are getting better and we are playing better football and mentally the team is is surely much stronger now and you've seen that purely because we spend so much time losing and then coming from behind but when it comes to our actual tactical approach and our ability to break teams down and actually to create goals from passages of big possession as opposed to when plays in flux or counter-attacking, that still is such a huge question and something that I really want Solskjaer to answer, but I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to do it. And it's been interesting today reading Grace Robertson at Grace on Football's newsletter, which you'd all sign up for on Twitter. She was mentioning that Solskjaer, his job essentially when he came in, which is completely correct, was basically to do a bit of a hard reset after Moyes, Van Gaal and Mourinho you know, yeah. came in, restabilized things, got a chunk of players out, got United playing better football. Is he actually going to be able to take the next step on and get us competing with the sort of level of tactical fluidity and depth that we need? You know, you mentioned as well, when in the middle of the 2000s, when United were really struggling in Europe and domestically, when we needed a bit more of a tactical nuance when it came to playing in the Champions League, you went out and got Carlos Quiroz. And that changed the game for us, didn't it? You know, tactically, we were so much better and we were so much more intelligent and we were able to manage games when we were playing in the Champions League better than we had been and you know and that paid off in Moscow I'm not suggesting that Solskjaer's got to go out and get himself a foreign coach in order to improve the system but it's clear at the moment that we don't have enough in hand to be able to manage these situations well enough consistently and you want to give Solskjaer the opportunity to kind of evolve into that and see how he can cope with that because you cannot deny that there has been improvement in terms of his management and United's abilities since he began at the club to where it is now. You know, the the progress is there. You know, you do really have to look for it over the course of a concerted period of time to see it, but it is there. It's now whether or not he can take us further. There is no danger to his job in the coming months. But I do wonder just how long this can continue in terms of the inability to really manage these types of situations because for a team like Villarreal who sat back so deep and had such a lack of adventure to win that game it's not a good look for Oli and you said as well earlier on Paul that he needed a win in that game his job is safe but he needs to prove to himself and these players also need to prove to themselves that they can win trophies at United and we didn't yeah and it was and it was like are you ever going to get a better chance to win a trophy than than a final against Villarreal I mean no disrespect to them like I said they did they did magnificently on the night, but you know, on paper, we should be we should be tearing them apart, really. And you're right, you know. When, it, when I talk about Oli being passive on Wednesday night, I'm talking about his coaching staff as well. Like, you know, who's in his ear, giving him ideas, making suggestions, saying no or yes or whatever it might be. You know, there was no there was no action. There was nothing. No, no tactical switches. You know, it's just it was it was lame. And you know, this summer there's going to be plenty of other teams strengthening I mean you know obviously City let's not talk about them they will they always well I mean (laughs) this is self-care tonight Paul the Champions League final is happening as we speak and what are we doing what what, I don't know what the Champions League is you know they're going to strengthen Chelsea will strengthen Liverpool might get a few more players you know the usual thing and so far I think Oli's transfer business has been pretty good but we all know I've seen talk of you know them wanting five players that's not going to happen, you know. That never happens. There's always like, there's always loads of talk at the beginning of the summer 
particularly after a disappointment like Wednesday night, it's not going to happen. There's going to be the usual transfer kitty uh, of not very much. So you can either buy one big player or you know a few lesser lights. And uh, yeah, I look at I, you know you know my opinion on Solskjaer. That's not changed from day one really. I think he's he's doing a good job. I like what he's doing. I'm still haunted by the years of Van Gaal and and Mourinho. The Moyes era was just like that was pure comedy gold, really. But you know the Van Gaal and Mourinho eras were just horrific. Mm. And I, I I've enjoyed it, the football under Oli. Not all the time, obviously. There's been some some low points, but overall, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I've fallen back in love with 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 sort of football and with the club, and and I want him to succeed. Whether he can take it to that next level, I don't know. Um, he probably doesn't even know. He obviously believes he can. If he had the right backing, I, I believe he probably could. Whether he'll get the right backing, I seriously doubt. But this is the problem. He, he's been playing the same, pretty much the same 11, 12, 13 players all season. I mean, even when we were 4-0 up after the first leg against Real Sociedad. In the second leg, he, I, I'm sure he didn't he start with Fernandes and then bring Rashford on at half-time for Fernandes. Was that not a game where he could have rested those players? You know, he's flogged these players to death. And Maguire, you know, he's flogged him to death and he's ended up with an injury. Now, injuries happen. It might not be Solskjaer's fault. I'm not saying it is, but you know what I'm saying. I feel he could have used his squad better over the course of the season, particularly this season, when it's like three games a week or whatever. So he's made mistakes. You want him to learn from those mistakes. And like I say, I hope he will, but there are times when it feels like he's not. He deserves, I think, to go into next season 100%. I, mean, I love the guy, and I want him to succeed, and I think he can. But under these circumstances, with with you know other teams strengthening over the summer, and United probably just being able to get maybe one big player, I'm not sure it's going to be possible. Yeah, and thinking back to that performance on Wednesday, we haven't even talk, spoken about the penalties yet. Um, uh, I mean, Cavani getting his 17th goal of the season. I mean, a typical Cavani goal to a certain degree, pan- uh, pouncing on that rebound, and that was good to see. And then Bruno flashing one not too far wide sh- shortly after that, which is the, that period of the game where we were on top and looking like we could actually go on and win it. Mm. Um, beyond that, two hours. I mean, was there much more to talk about? I mean, no. it, it well, was we actually every... looked. We actually looked like we were playing for penalties an extra time. Yeah, gosh. I mean, we it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give any disservice to the 10 players ahead of De Gea in terms of their penalty-taking prowess because there were a clutch of players in that block who you just thought, there's no way he's scoring this, whether it was Fred, Dan James. I mean, I'm not having a Papa Axel, but he's a central defender and Lindelof. You know, they were were excellent. Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was pretty impressive. But this is going to be kicking Dave while he's down, but... If there was ever a case for the brutality of subbing your keeper off prior to a penalty shootout to give yourself a better option of winning it, you know, we saw it with Van Hal in the World Cup in 2014. It's not particularly pleasant, but it can get a better result. Doesn't and matter. I'm not. Well, the thing is, hindsight's always 2020. You can always look at a situation and say, well, we might have had a better chance of winning that, but at least Henderson would have had a better chance of stopping some of those saves because every time the ball went past De Gea, he just looked defeated instantly. I'd never quite seen a penalty shootout, especially from a keeper, let alone it being a United keeper, where they almost looked like they conceded the goal before the shot was even taken. There just seemed to be such a resignation to every single shot. He got nowhere near anything, and he was misreading every single shot possible. It was an ordeal to watch it. and I said to my dad, 
it's almost like he was falling. He wasn't even really diving properly. He was kind of limply falling to the floor, mm. you know. And when he even when he did get a hand to to one of the, one penalty, it was a limp hand, you know. That was just it was all just really kind of weak and pathetic. And you, you mentioned hindsight, and you're absolutely right. You know, obviously it's it's easy for us to sit here after the event and say, well, he should have done this and that. But we actually said in the group chat, surely he's going to put Henderson in goal here. I think I even said, like, Fred would be better than De Gea. We all know what De Gea is like at penalties. We all know. We've been watching him for years. And I don't know whether it was, you know, a sentimental thing or or what. I, I just... think it's one of those things where if you're going to boil it down to a soundbite, Oli is not that manager. I don't think he wanted to basically publicly execute his keeper, right? Yeah, but it's the thing is, the way I look at it is, you're not pub- publicly ex- executing your, your keeper. You, you're being realistic. And you say to, to, to David De Gea, this is the reason I'm doing it. And if he can't deal with that, then he shouldn't be playing at this level. He mm. should, as a professional, be able to understand, just looking at his own penalty record, why Ollie's making that decision, if he was to make that decision. It's just, it's not even... There was, for me, there was no decision to make. It was just the obvious thing to do because of the records, the, the you know the, the respective records of the two keepers. Um mm. Just do it, you know. It's not about you know. It would be a bit embarrassing for for De Gea, but he'd get over it. He'd get his medal. He's played the full 120 minutes or whatever it is. Just get on with it. It was ridiculous that he didn't do that, in my opinion. It really was. Um, I don't disagree, but I who knows what goes through Solskjaer's mind at times. You know, I understand the reason for putting De Gea in. And you know, side note, if if that's his last game in a United shirt, oh. what a shitter! What an no, absolute shitter! No. You know, I, so unfair. Regardless of how problematic you find De Gea's form, and we have spoken about it. We were speaking about it a year ago after the FA Cup semi final and saying it probably wise to take him out of the side for a little while. Yeah, you can't deny that he is probably top to bottom, being the best player that we've had in the post-Ferguson era consistently anyway, in terms of his influence. You know, he is he was pretty much the best of the best in terms of the continent, in terms of a keeper for a good several years. And he it was him was and Noya, wasn't it? Yeah, him, he was him and Noya huge for this United ahead. team. Yeah. yeah, and to have his United career fizzle out like this, and obviously for his last significant act of United should potentially be missing a penalty, which is something he never should have had to be doing in the first place, let alone missing it. It is a real shame, but going back to what you were saying, I, I do feel like it's time for him almost mentally to make a change because, you know, he's he's become a new father and I believe his, uh, his wife, Fidernity, is, is in Spain still for the most part, or that's probably where they'll rather be as opposed to Manchester. So it does make sense on a number of levels for him to perhaps make a move. Now, obviously, that's not going to be particularly easy because you've still got several years left on an incredibly lucrative contract. So it might have to be the Alexis Sanchez deal in terms of United forego a transfer fee. And then they just basically try and tear up the contract to a certain degree. Mm. Um, and obviously, but obviously that that's not laced without risk, is it? You know, because Dean Henderson, whilst he has been good, has not necessarily set the world alight in terms of his performances. So that's obviously no. a huge sign of confidence in the young keeper but that carries its own potential problems in terms of giving him the number one shirt next season I mean that, that's something we can kind of cover in the player reviews pod which we'll do next week I mean wor- the overwhelming he, he feeling me, I got Henderson. yeah yeah I'm not sure I mean someone he's said got he's got a touch of Pickford to... about him in my opinion I was going for the Pickfords got a bit Pickford, of Pickford yeah. in him yeah just that kind of arrogance and you know he's really confident in his abilities and that's great and a keeper needs to be to a point but you know, it, it, yeah, it feels like it just spills over into 
arrogance. Yeah, I mean, I wonder about that with him. I do. I mean, maybe it's because we only see what we want in terms of you know, hearing a lot of this brashness is quite off-putting to a certain degree, especially when your performances haven't always been fantastic. But we've also seen enough we've seen enough flashes from him in terms of suggesting that he can do something but again we're, we're getting distracted I think if I'm going to look at the entirety of the performance from front to back you could you saw a bunch of players who we know can perform better in the sort of manner of Rashford and Greenwood and you know Bruno in particular and Pogba who didn't have a great game either no. who potentially just looked like they had nothing left to give and didn't necessarily have the the energy to open the game up and then you've got the likes of McTominay who pretty much played out of his skin Shaw was oh, decent great. Wan-Bissaka was half decent and you know there's an, then there's other players in terms of Victor Lindelof who tired or not we know he's not good enough yeah. so it, it be, then becomes an issue of squad management and what Solskjaer wants his team to look like for next season I guess that feeds into the bigger point of what next season looks like as a whole you know after that De Gea final miss penalty after into that marathon penalty shootout which was oh god it was absolutely horrendous wasn't it oh good grief I mean Watching with a 30 second delay or so yeah, yeah, is the absolute worst because I was streaming this on YouTube at my friend's place and I had to check at times whether or not we'd miss so I could just tell them to turn the TV off because yeah. I refused <laughs> to put myself through it and I just kept praying for someone to miss and good grief, no, it didn't happen, Paul. I mean, it, it was the, the, a the, rough shootout. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? The quality of the penalties was incredible. And the only the only way, like I, I, I just knew that even before a single penalty was taken, I knew that the only way we were going to win this thing was if one of their players skied it, because I, I just knew De Gea was going to. And particularly, you know, after the first the first few, I just thought, well, no, there's no way he's going to he's going to do anything here. So, um, but we should never have got to penalties in the first place, and that's the point, really, isn't it? That's that's the bigger point. We shouldn't have been relying on David De Gea to be taking a penalty. To, to try and you know keep going in, in this ta- in this uh, in this game, so which is ironic considering that if David de Gea had been better at saving penalties, we wouldn't have to rely on David de Gea to score the winning penalty. Just, oh, well, I mean, oh football, you cruel bitch, mistress. <laughs> yeah, gracious. Uh, I mean, that kind of calls uh, uh, that brings an end to the entire season, and I guess you know one of the reasons why that victory hit so hard in terms of this appointment is because this year in particular and it's obviously not just about United you know football in general the narratives and watching the games and you know the lack of going to stadiums and watching and the lack of social and community contact has made it so difficult and so draining to really enjoy this season at times hasn't it yeah it's not like it's been without its peaks but it's not been the same and I think ending such a draining period you know, obviously, we, we're touching wood at this point, but it looks like over the coming months that the UK is coming out of lockdown, so we'll be able to start attending football games more regularly by the time we get to August, September. It felt like it would have been big and such a, an exhale, I think is what I would describe it as. You know, I, I guess that sort of brings into question the sort of the, the overall pressure that we put on United to make us happy. But regardless, giving... The, Ending this period with a trophy at the end of it, it felt like it would have been such a boost going into the next campaign and such a way to look back on this period of following the club with fondness. And it's not like it's not like we haven't been lucky. It hasn't. It's not like we haven't seen some fantastic goals and some great games. But ultimately, when it comes to United continuing to progress, you really need the silverware to back it up. And I think not having something to hold on to and say we won that 
now we go forward. I think that's what really sours the season to me to a certain degree, you know? Yeah, it feels like a real missed opportunity. Um, and it would have been so cathartic. You're absolutely right. You know, it has been a draining uh, and a draining season, a grueling season for for the fans. But also, you know, uh, Ollie and, and his coaching stuff have worked tirelessly um, this season behind the scenes. You know, when you think about all the travel and everything, uh, and it would have been lovely for for them, and it would have been lovely for us. Um, so it is. It's massively disappointing, and and you know, you obviously you have to start again from scratch next season, still with no trophies and. Um, hopefully, like you say, we'll be back at, at least be back at the stadium in some capacity. Because mm. it Start has sorting out that home form. It's just not. It's been. There's just been. You know, watching it with on the TV with with no with no crowds there. It's there's a real sterility to it, and hopefully we'll be, we'll be back to something approaching normal next season. Well, I think going into next term as well, in terms of what we want from it to sort of sign off on this episode, because we've obviously got the, I keep talking about it, don't forget next week, it's the Play Reviews episode, everyone's favourite. <laughs> um, what does that defeat do in terms of what United and Solskjaer have to provide next season? And I think at the very top of the list, almost an essential is a proper title charge, right? I, I don't see how Solskjaer can continue indefinitely at United in terms of his management if he's not going to provide that next season and I do think United need to start next season much better than they did the one we've just finished I feel like we need to make our buys quicker I don't want to be waiting until early August to bring in Jaden Sancho obviously they've got the Euros obviously there's the Copper America and there's Covid to deal with in terms of cash flow etc I know all that Every single other club is going to be dealing, dealing with those same levels of restrictions. And they also managed to be much less dysfunctional than United do when it comes to the transfer window. So I'm tired of hearing those excuses. There is a lot to prove going into this new season now. And a lot of that pressure could have been absolved to a certain degree if we'd had won and we didn't. And I think they've got to live with that now. But I think this is going to be a big test for this team. You know, they, they need oh, to yeah, prove huge. that they can start controlling games more next season. Stop falling behind stop being so passive for at least 45 minutes and start to dictate where they want their season to go. You know, we, we drift. We have drifted up for a long time, not only as a team, but as a club. And I think if they are genuinely sure that they want to push on and try and go for the top honours, so maybe deeper in, much deeper into Champions League than just the group stages, and pushing City and potentially Liverpool a lot longer than we did, then they have to show it. Yeah, they do. It's all very good saying it. We're very good at talking when we lose. We don't necessarily put up enough evidence to suggest that it's anything other than talk. No, the thing is, Solskjaer, when he was given the job on a permanent basis, he, I think he pretty sure he talked about, you know, obviously he was talking about it as a bit of a rebuild. Uh, it's going to take time. I'm pretty sure he mentioned three years. You know, we expect to be challenging within three years. Well, here we go. You know, this is it now. Um, you're right. We, we have to be challenging. We have to be. Um, I mean, we you know we were top of the league, weren't we? Early in the sort of new year, and I don't think any of us really expected us to win the title. But it was just the usual thing. We just kind of seemed to freeze. It was almost like we we we, we felt we didn't deserve to be there. What you know, what the hell are we doing here at the top of the league? And we froze. And 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 the same things happened in semi-finals and now a final. There has to be a point when you get over that kind of psychological what's the word wall. Next season is it? has to be really um, I, like I've said all along I like what Solskjaer has been doing I think he really does deserve time because what he took over was a complete mess 
The players seem to really like him as well, which is a big thing. I think it'll be interesting to see who goes this summer. You know what mm. players what players go, and and that might even have a well. I think it would have a really big impact potentially on who comes in, um, who who Ollie's able to bring in. There's a lot up in the air overall. I I think if you'd said to me at the beginning of the season, you know you'll finish second and and get to a final, I probably would have been pretty happy with that. Given how much money's like Chelsea spent, given where Liverpool obviously finished last season, obviously City being City, I think that would have felt like a pretty decent return. Um, but obviously, getting to a final and then losing it is is it tinges everything, you know. It puts yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the big thing when you look at a lot of the teams around us in the Premier League, there aren't many who have had a better season than us. No one's had a really good time in European football this season. Bar City and potentially Inter Milan, even they got kicked out of the Champions League at the group stages. For goodness' sake, you know that. And plenty of teams of a similar level to United have really struggled during this COVID season. And I, I'm pleased that the players now will at least get some time off. Obviously, in inverted commas, due to the Euros. But I think it's good that now, with the compression of last season and the tail end of the Europa League, giving us no time to have you know preparation. It's good that they can step away from United now for a good couple of months and then come back potentially refreshed when we get to sort of mid-July when pre-season kicks back up again. And they should be angry as well. Did... Yeah, I mean, that, that's the reaction that you want though, right? You know, and I think well, I've said it a lot and anyone who has been wondering just how difficult this season has been for United in terms of managing the workload and the mental strength that it's taken to keep going and playing top-level football despite the circumstances, I think we did see a big example of it on Wednesday. Yeah. But next season is the one to me. I, I feel like this is where we need to prove almost everything that we possibly can about United. I think Solskjaer's got a lot to prove and the players have even more to prove now having not won that trophy. And depending, it doesn't just hinge on the players that we bring in. It's got to be a collective effort to really try and make a statement and show that they are ready to take that next step up. And that remains a big unknown going into the season. And I'm really fascinated to see how we manage it. Yeah, me too. Right. I think we'll end it there, Paul. Uh, Anything else to take from uh, Wednesday's final? No, no, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I just it, it, that that moment. I get flashbacks. It was it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. Why did Bruno reverse the penalty order? He got the know. toss and he decided it was better to have us taking penalty second. Your chance of winning a penalty shootout goes down to forty percent potentially if you do that. It was, it was watching De Gea step up to take that penalty. It was like watching someone taking their dog to be put down or something, wasn't it? it was... <laughs> You know, same kind of feeling. Oh, God. Right. Shall we call it? <laughs> yeah, good, good to speak to you, mate. You too. We'll catch up for the player reviews next episode, yeah? Great next week. Stuff. Thanks, you, Ian. Fantastic. Please look forward to that player reviews episode. That'll be out next week once we've had time to digest and recover further from doing this episode, which we needed three days to prepare for, having watched the final. You know how it works. Don't forget in the meantime to uh, follow us on Twitter. You can get me at you and like this. Rich, unfortunately, at the minute, as you might well know from following us on Twitter, is in hospital. And obviously, we wish our friend the massive amount of love that he so deserves and hope he will be back with us as soon as possible. You can follow him at Rich Red Voices and Paul at Paul Gunny One and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. And if you do listen to the podcast on anything along the lines of Spotify or SoundCloud or the Apple Podcast app, 
or Stitcher. Any sort of review or rating or following would be absolutely fantastic because it means that more people listen to us, which is always a good thing because it makes me happy. So there's that. In the meantime, we will be back with you next week to discuss every single member of this United squad in terms of how good they were. It should be actually quite fun. It normally is. Take care of yourselves in the meantime. Bye. Bye.